1: I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. The world is full of unseen forces. Let me be your guide as we lift the veil and peer into the face of the unknown. This is The Majors Well, your 101 one guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hey Majors, welcome back to the show. This week, we're getting into some practical stuff and looking at elemental magic. A healthy balance of the elements is indicative of magical power, and each element carries its own unique attributes. Depending on the desired outcome of your spell, it may focus more on one element to achieve its desired goal. There is alternative views on how many elements there are. European magic tends to focus on four, that of fire, water, earth, and air. Chinese magic adds metal. Jewish doesn't count air, and some modern-day traditions count a fifth as spirit. Today, we know there are far more elements than those just mentioned. There are 118 chemical elements identified today. Now, some pagans and witches have decided to still pay homage to earth, fire, air, and water, but call them by the four states of matter, that of solid, liquid, gas, and plasma. It's thought to be a little bit more correct and a little bit more accurate as to the chemicals in the world. Personally, I wish to forget the trauma of chemistry class, so I stick with the four traditional elements. Now, the first mention, we think, of these elements comes from the Greek philosopher Empedocles, and he called the elements roots and said they were the source of all things. He attributed the elements to different Greek gods. Quote, Here first the four roots of all things. Shining Zeus, commonly identified as fire. Life-bringing Hera, commonly identified as air. Iodonius, commonly identified as earth. And Nestus, commonly identified as water. Iodonius and Nestus are cultic names for Hades and Persephone. These elements have been further incorporated within witchcraft, with each one being associated with a cardinal direction and having a connection to a watchtower, which is called in when casting a circle in some traditions. Today, we're looking at plasma, or fire, from here on out, the most active and animated out of the elements. And just as a follow-on from last week's episode on Witchcraft Burnout, fire is a wonderful way to lift you and your practice away from a low energy zone and is greatly revitalising and will add energy to your craft. Perfect when you're trying to come out of a burnout. Fire illuminates the darkness and mesmerises the eye. Our inner fire alludes to our passion, our lust our anger, and our chaos. Fire can merely destroy, but often from this destruction, a new way emerges from the ashes, leading some to view fire as a life cycle, from spark to flame, ending in ashes and smoke. Within mythology, it's our ability to create fire that distinguishes us as humans, and it is often a gift from the gods or an object of theft, which is more common, or a wonderful discovery. It's with fire that carries our fear, but it's also the greatest potential for transformation. It is the most dangerous of the elements, and it carries a Yang energy. It's active, and it's barren. It brings change through destruction, and it is the only element that can take form from solely consuming other elements. Fire has many forms, and they may not always be that obvious, but every living thing has a spark of life. Paradoxical in nature, it warms, but it burns. It keeps the darkness and danger away, but it also reveals and exposes us. In some cultures, with creating fire, it was thought to represent a sexual union. Pylolatria, or fire worship, took place in all cultures around the world, and it's been argued that through fire worship the first religions formed. Mirka Eliade was of the opinion, quote, it is through fire that nature is changed. It is the basis of the most ancient magics. And fire has often been deified and is almost always a powerful spirit to be reckoned with and respected. In Celtic religions there were fire festivals called Imbolc, Beltane, Lugnesa and Samhain, that are still honoured today as Sabbaths or Holy Days. Traditionally bonfires were lit and offerings of butter, sacred woods, aromatic herbs, to list a few, were given to the flames. Women used to solely tend to the hearth of the home and kept the fire within it lit. Each night she protected the embers, also called smoring, so they could be used in the morning to relight the fire and keep the flames continuity going. A prayer for smoring the fire from Scotland called Smalad and Tyne. I hope I got that pronunciation correct. It goes, the sacred three, to save, to shield, to surround, the hearth, the house, the household, this eve, this night, oh this eve, this night, and every night, and every night, each single night, till white day shall come to the embers. During times of disease, Celtic communities would come together to light a big bonfire called Teen Egin or Need Fire. It would be built from a combination of sacred woods or just oak. Every home would then extinguish their hearth fires and use the flames from the Need Fire to relight them. Then water was taken from a sacred well and boiled, and then once cooled it would be sprinkled over cattle and people to heal them. A firewalking ritual called Anastenaria takes place in Greece every year, celebrating St. Constantine and St. Helen. It's thought to have roots in the ancient Greek celebrations of Dionysus. Participants are thought to enter a trance-like state before walking barefoot across a hot bed of coals, showing no discomfort and no burns on their feet. It's practiced in many places around the world, primarily as a rite of passage. Zoroastrianism reveres fire, and Iran's central city of Yazd contains a fire temple where the flame has been burning for nearly 1550 years. Within their religion, fire is seen as the ultimate truth and light. These fire temples were originally a place that looked after the community's flame, where citizens could light their fires each day by visiting it and carrying the fire home. A common custom relating to fire in Korea is that when someone moves house, you bring them matches. How would you work with fire? Well first off, please practice basic fire safety. Just because you're doing something magical doesn't render you immune to the destructive and life-threatening effects of fire. Always have a jug of water nearby just in case, or a precaution that fits with your individual scenario a spell for new beginnings might manifest as your home burning down. Let's not. Within witchcraft, fire is symbolized by the sun, plot twist, and Mars. Its direction is south or north if you're in the southern hemisphere, and it governs the realms of protection, sex, destruction, strength, banishment, and exorcisms to name a few. Fire can also be incorporated into spells for confidence and for fast action, and it can also be used to send messages to the spirit world. Plants and herbs relating to fire include basil, cedarwood, bay, copal, frankincense, juniper, and nutmeg to name a few. Generally, think of sun-loving tropical or desert plants when looking for fire correspondences. If it can survive harsh sunlight, it's generally a fire plant. Also, strong smelling or spicy plants too. It's thought that these types of plants will speed up magical workings. So think cinnamon, pepper, wormwood, that kind of vibe. Be careful if you burn wormwood, it's toxic. See my episode on wormwood for more information. Additionally, plants that resemble the sun as well. So think oranges and calendulas. And further, stinking plants that can attack. So think nettle, brambles, and cacti, that kind of vibe. These plants, they are all governed by fire. And some of them aren't always so obvious. Within folklore, it's said that Angelica is a fire herb due to its protective qualities, which come from the fact that the plant has heavily been linked to Archangel Michael. The major's Well trance oil has been designed to take users into trance, a place where you're not fully awake, but nor are you fully asleep. A place that is perfect for magic and witchcraft. Personally, I diffuse while meditating to open myself up to receive messages from beyond the veil. Others have used it to bring about vivid dreaming. It's been used and combined with yoga to deepen the practice, or you could even just diffuse it to bring about a sense of peace and calm. In times like these, I've noticed I've been using it like this a lot more. And I know I'm biased, but the smell is amazing. It is seriously opulent and rich. A blend of many oils, three of which are sandalwood, frankincense and palo santo. And all of these are highly sacred plants that have a long history of spiritual use. All oils are ethically sourced, especially the Palo Santo, and it contributes to local communities. Trance is pure essential oil, meaning it hasn't been watered down or diluted with a carrier oil. Available to buy now over on themajorswell.com. Money Money Oil is out now, specially formulated to bring in money. Made from bay, galbanum, pimento berry, and basil, to name a few. The smell is very green, the colour that is associated with money. And if you've listened to my Which Better Have My Money episode, you know that I bathe in basil leaves, as medieval sex workers did the same to draw money to them. So potent is basil's effect. Galbanum is great for breaking through blockages. What's holding you back from making money? Pimento is good for setting new goals, and bay is used to bring in success in whatever endeavour you choose. To work with Money Money Oil, you could dress a candle to draw in money, you could meditate with it. One ritual that I quite like is if you have a physical business, or maybe you work from home, or maybe you just want to draw money into your home, you could actually mop the floor so it's clean, and then add a few drops of money money to fresh water and then mop again, paying particular attention to the front door, with this idea of drawing money in. Whilst doing this, you could chant, money money, come to me, in abundance three times three, may I be enriched in the best of ways, harming none on its way, this I accept, so mote it be, bring me money, three times three. I've actually dressed my money bowl with this oil. Now, money bowls are really easy to make. It's essentially a bowl that contains money, as well as things that represent money and drawing it to you. In mine I have a magnet, I burn a green candle in it, there's a citron crystal, there's a modelling picture in there because I want to earn money through that avenue. And my bowl is actually a green plant pot because I like the idea that it has this intended use for growing something and I've anointed the edge of this pot with money money oil to essentially add another layer to its drawing power. If you want to draw money to you money money oil is available now over on themajorswell.com So the best time for fire magic is noon, when the sun is at its peak, and preferably on a Sunday, which has obvious connections to the sun and therefore fire. Noon is a liminal time, further adding to the power of practices, and it's a really wonderful time for success and money spells. A lot of money correspondences have a lot of connections to solar and therefore fire herbs as well. How would you pay homage to this element on your altar? Obviously the colour red. Wands are also linked to fire and it's the same with the wand suit in the tarot deck. They tend to represent your inner fire, your willpower and how it's directed. You could also place volcanic stone on your altar, a candle obviously. You could have a phallus on there, a pyramid. Crystals relating to fire include ruby, red jasper, fire Agate, garnet, just to name a few, and also you could incorporate these onto your wand as well. A cauldron would be a great way to work with fire, but I'm going to talk a little bit about that more later. Fire magic can be used in candle spells. I personally use it a lot for burning paper or bay leaves with wishes on or what you'd like to dispel. You could burn old items that represent something you want to leave behind. Now this is great for making a new chapter in your life, or the creation of a new identity. Fire can also involve kitchen witchery, you can do divination with fire, with reading the flames, this is called pyromancy. There's a lot you can do with fire. Now each element has its own spirits, called elementals. The most common elemental spirit of fire is embodied as a salamander. But there's also jinns of Persian lore, what we kind of see as a genie. Drakes and will-o'-wisps of Western Europe, to name a few. Now, salamanders. They purify the earth through the heat they produce, and they also provide divine wisdom to those who invoke them. But you need to be careful when invoking them. Misuse or mistreat them, and they can bring a lot of misfortune to you as well as your bloodline. It's a good idea to have a dedicated place where you often work with fire or maintain it, because this is going to act as an invitation to them, and they tend to grant the home protection and work with the blood and the emotions. You could burn amber, the fragrance, not the crystal, as well as tobacco. This is going to help attract them in. You could also burn fennel stalks, which is a reference to Prometheus, who stole fire from Olympus by hiding it in a fennel stalk. To create a salamander charm, you could get a flat rock, roughly draw a salamander using Dragon's Blood ink, and then pass this through frankincense smoke or any other fire herb. Leave the rock exposed in the sun all day, preferably on the summer solstice, though not necessary, and then place this on your altar and use it within your magical workings and any invocations that you want to do around salamanders. Basically, you would work with a salamander as you would any deity. Invoke them, give them offerings, and petition them. But what are some of the deities that you would work with? Well, fire is often associated with deities who rule over deceit and trickery. Think of the Norse god Loki and the Greek god Hephaestus. You could also work with Hestia, the Greek goddess of the hearth and home. She was tasked by Zeus to keep the Olympic fire burning, with the fat from animals sacrificed to the gods. In Greek rituals, it's quite common to open up any ritual with an offering to Hestia, as she was seen as like a gateway deity to the rest of the Greek pantheon. I guess in a similar way to Janus, the Roman god of beginnings. You can check him out in my episode called New Beginnings and Janus that I did at the end of last year. Now each city had a fire dedicated to Hestia, which was forbidden to go out. It was seen as a really ill omen. Her Roman equivalent is Vesta. Now, you may have heard of the Vestal Virgins. These were the women that tended to Vesta's fire in Rome. The continuation of the fire was symbolic of the Roman state's survival, dominance and power. Obviously, you don't want that fire to go out. Now, so important was she within the Roman Empire. It was thought that she was the very last of the Roman cults to survive through the rise of Christianity, till the reign of Theodosius I in 391 CE, when he put an end to all pagan practices in the empire. There's also the Hindu Agni. In a similar way, he's also seen as a gateway deity between mortals and the gods, and he was an acceptor of sacrifices in rituals invoking or honouring him. It's often accompanied by the chanting of the Vedic hymns. Bridget is a Celtic deity associated with sacred wells and sacred fires. Now, she became Christianised to St. Bridget. Her sacred fire was continually lit since pre-Christian times and survived well into the 16th century until monasteries became suppressed and her fire died out. 400 or so years later, her flame was relit by a group of nuns devout to her in 1993. Now, she's associated with the three aspects of fire, that of the hearth, the forge, and inspiration. Other gods and goddesses include the Hawaiian Pele, who rules over volcanoes. The Slavic Svarog, who resides in the underworld and breathes fire. Shango, the Yoruba fire god of thunder as well, and he's also considered a storm god. Joang-shin, I hope I got that pronunciation right, is the Korean goddess of hearthfires. There's also Gera, the god of fire in Akkadian and Babylonian records. I've actually got a ritual where you invoke him for his protection against witchcraft done against you over on my Patreon. There's also Ra and Sekhmet to name a few. As usual, please consider the cultural implications of working with deities that may not belong to your heritage. There's more potency in your magic from working with deities closer to your home and heritage, in my opinion. And it's less likely to offend or hurt. Cord cutting ritual. Now, an optional step for this is soaking yarrow in olive oil. Now, yarrow is associated with cutting cords. You're going to need a string and a picture of you and a picture of the person that you're cutting cords with or something that represents them. If you don't have a picture, you want to anoint the candle with the yarrow oil and tie the string to your photo and an item representing the other person. Think about why you're cutting the cord, the pain and the sorrow that this person has caused, if they've caused any. You could also say what you need to say to the person via the object and when you feel ready pass the strings through the candle flame and sever the connection. I'd take additional steps of blocking this person on your phone and social media and doing a general purge of any old photos or items associated with them, but that's just me. Now you could do a more gentle process of using two candles that represent you both So let's say I fall out with a male friend. I would get two male-shaped candles and tie string around them. And maybe you would anoint the other person's candle with a smell that you associate with them. And you want to do this ritual for however long you want this process to last. You put them together and then each night you light them and move them apart bit by bit each night. And when you feel ready and that there's enough distance between them you cut the string that connects them. Sure, it's a lengthier process, but it's more of a gentle and gradual one. It slowly eases them out of your life, which might be more appropriate. You could meditate with fire. This is something that I love to do. You could use a candle, but I would say that an actual fire is way more powerful. So my family back home have a closed fire. And I love waiting till everyone has gone to bed. I turn off the lights and I just sit in front of it. And not necessarily to meditate, but I just bathe in its glow and its heat. And it's easy to become enraptured by the flames. You can visualize the areas of your life that you need to let go or that you need to destroy in order for growth to happen. I think this is a wonderful practice if you want more confidence or if your energy has been flagging. Fire dancers are quite a common thing, pre-corona. As soon as the virus has settled down, I'm gonna start looking into any that are opening up near me. Basically, a huge bonfire is lit, drums are beat, and people dance clockwise around it. I like fire, and I like drums, and I like dancing, but I don't think you could call it dancing when I partake in that. So, it sounds like a good time to me. Cauldrons are great for working with fire and they tend to be more powerful than just a candle spell as they hold a large flame and produce more heat for your magical workings. Invest in a cast iron cauldron. From what I've seen online I've been looking on Etsy and they tend to be around £60 plus shipping. So, if you can, invest. Also because it's cast iron it's going to be able to withstand a lot of heat and I would also get a heatproof mat to sit the cauldron on. Generally, when working with cauldrons, you want to use a blend of Epsom salts and rubbing alcohol in equal quantities, because the Epsom salts, are actually going to slow down how quickly the alcohol is burnt. That's if you want a more slow burning fire. The fire is going to rise above the cauldron, so you need to make sure that there's nothing that it can catch, like curtains or shelves. And you can really easily combine sex magic to cauldron fires. Sex and fire are heavily linked, and I think you'd be missing out if you were using one without the other. And it can really create a potent spell. Check out my episode on sex magic if you haven't already. You could easily do a wish spell by writing what you desire on bay leaves and burning alongside cinnamon to speed up the results. You could do a fire-releasing ceremony. You could throw myrrh. Frankincense, vervain, Rue, and St. John's wort into a fire to bring in purification. You would then ask the flames to take away your problem, and you could even invoke a deity of fire and petition them. Then write down the things that are causing you the issues or stagnation, and place each one in the fire. As you do, blowing the paper and the flames, and visualizing the issues leaving you. You could also chant, Fire burning, the word so bright. With this issue, I'd like to fight. Be gone, be banished, from my sight. From now on forward, it will all be right. After this, think about what you'd like to step into the places that you've just released. We've created a vacuum, so let's fill this space with something good. For example, let's say I release my anxiety around money. I might replace this energy by showing gratitude for what I already have in my life. To make an incense blend honouring fire, try mixing two parts mugwort, one part dried daffodil petals, one part basil, one part hawthorn berries, and one part patchouli and one part cinnamon. Phoenix invocation. The phoenix goes hand in hand with fire for obvious reasons, and it has strong connotations with rebirth and renewal. The first reference to a phoenix appears in ancient Egypt, where it's called a Bennu. This next invocation comes from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and it was used in ancient Egypt to actually become the bird, and using this would work brilliantly when working with a cauldron. It would be wonderful to inspire a rebirth and to emerge from the ashes, stronger and transformed. You'll need myrrh, spikenard, cinnamon, and frankincense to make an incense blend. You want to fold this into some red paper and then burn The red paper isn't necessary, but red is a colour heavily associated with the Phoenix. And then you would say, I flew up out of the primeval waters, and I came into being like the god Kepra. I grew like the plants. I am concealed like the turtle. I am the essence of the gods. I am yesterday of the four quarters of the world, and the seven Uria who came into being in the West whom Horus has illuminated by his hand, and witnesses against Seth. Where Thoth dwelled in the middle for judgment, as judge on behalf of Sekem and the spirits of Anu. He was like the stream between them. I have come. I rise up on my throne. I become the Shining One. I am mighty. I become holy among the gods. I am the god Khonsu, who drives back all that is opposed to him. You want to chant this seven times and petition the great bird, and you could combine this ritual with the releasing ritual as well. It can also be used to honour and release the dead. The bird also deals within the realms of death. Fire has a tumultuous temperament, and it comes with a few light warnings. Fire magic, if worked with too much, can make you more irritable and even volatile and aggressive. It can be quite easy to have heated fallout with people, It can bring on anxiety or restlessness. It can also inflate your ambition to the point where it blocks out other crucial areas of your life. These are just a few things to bear in mind, and if you notice them occurring, back off a little bit and adjust your behaviours and practice. You could try working with water or earth magic. Or an old way of exorcism for the fire element is casting salt, incense, sulphur, camphor, And white resin into a fire. Some final thoughts before we wrap up. Be intentional when lighting fires or candles. Personally, I try not to use a lighter. I use a match. I can't quite explain it, but using matches feels more legit and respectful to me. If you're building a ritual fire, choose your wood with intent. To start a fire, maybe you could place four logs that align with the cardinal directions. Create a circle around your fire with stones, and further out cast a circle as well. Every time you cross through the boundary, note that you are crossing over into an area of incredible potent magic. Every time you light a match, or lighter, be aware that you're invoking the spirit of fire and welcome it into the space. A lot of cultures when building ritual fires use friction to start them. Perhaps this is something you could learn and incorporate. You can also place herbs onto bonfires. Samhain is a traditional bonfire festival. You could throw mugwort and wormwood onto the fire at this time to open a portal to the other world. Again be careful when burning wormwood, it's toxic when burnt. You could pass things through a flame to ritually purify them, just make sure they won't easily catch fire. Our ancestors also had a tradition of jumping over flames to ritually purify themselves. This was quite a common practice with newlyweds. You can incorporate the same concept with jumping over candles. It's also much safer. Today, our connection to fire is largely taken for granted. If you only take one thing away from today's episode, make it this. Fire for our ancestors was a mystical thing and has played a vital role within our evolution as a species. Where would we be without it? The industrial age for one certainly wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have any metals. And it's actually thought that our ancestor, the Homo erectus, learnt to cook with fire and stopped eating raw food This, in turn, allowed for easier digestion of calories and we had more energy for our brains, which as a result became bigger and further down the line Homo sapiens came to be. Our ancestors guarded flames zealously and painstakingly learned how to create fire, which today, with a flick of a lighter, or the strike of a match, or the click of a switch on a gas stove, we instantly have fire. Recognize this achievement. Thank the Spirit of Fire, because without its presence, our world would be darker in more ways than one. And, majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Well community, as well as being in the communal sugarpot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Well, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you wish to share at Well at gmail.com, and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. Peace out, witches.